0: Ready, that, go! This is the Checkpoint Radio Podcast. Tune into our weekly radio show. For more information, go to checkpointradio.com. Here are your hosts Nate Bender, Robbie Landis, Norris Howard, and Joe Sloan. Checkpoint reached. Hey,
1: welcome to the Checkpoint Radio podcast from Westwood One. Everyone's listening. Exclusive, uncensored, and extended conversations from the nationally syndicated crew
2: of the Checkpoint Radio show. Joining me today is just Joe Sloan. Just me. And by the way, every time you say that, I want to say bigger, longer, and uncut. <laughs> uh,
1: I think it was South Park may own the copyright to those three words in that specific order. Damn. I know, right? Anyway, uh, thanks, guys, for joining us here. Here for the Checkpoint Radio podcast, we've got a special presentation uh, for today, and uh, this has been this is really exciting. So, first of all, uh, huge congratulations go out to the London Spitfire for their victory at the OWL Grand Finals that just got wrapped up. Hopefully, you joined our pre and post game coverage over at twitch.tv slash Checkpoint Radio. If you didn't, you can watch those videos on demand over there or over at our uh, YouTube page. at YouTube. YouTube.com slash Checkpoint Radio. But before, let's rewind just three days ago, before the Grand Finals had even gotten started on Friday, we got a huge opportunity with Checkpoint Radio. We got to uh, create a one-hour special for Philadelphia to celebrate their entry into yep. the Grand Finals. Uh, 97.5, the Fanatic in Philadelphia, gave us one-hour for from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., leading right into the debut of the Overwatch Grand Finals on ESPN at 7 o'clock that night, we got to produce a one hour special tracking Philly's path to the Grand Finals and giving people who may have n- never watched uh, esports or OWL before a peek into what they can expect with the OWL Grand Finals. So, for this week on the podcast, that's what we're playing for you. That's our special presentation. We we are going to play for you the the uh, special presentation that we put together for 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia.
0: This is Checkpoint, esports and gaming radio. Checkpointradio.com.
1: Welcome to a special presentation from Checkpoint Radio. Another Philly Championship, the Fusion run to the Overwatch Grand Final. This is a one-hour special presentation for ninety-seven point five, the fanatic to get Philly primed and ready to cheer on the Philadelphia Fusion as they face off against the London Spitfire in the Overwatch Grand Finals, which start tonight in just one hour at seven p.m. on ESPN. We're normally on on Saturdays at ten p.m. for two hours of discussion about esports and video games, but we want to make Make sure that Philly knows that they're on the cusp of becoming a championship city once again. My name's Nate Bender. I'm joined by the Checkpoint Radio crew, Robbie Landis, Norris Howard, and Joe Sloan. Now, I can hear some of you asking, what the hell is Overwatch? So, we're going to start off by explaining Overwatch and Overwatch League.
2: And, you know, you might even go a step up from that and ask, what the hell is esports? Because while That's fair. Yeah, while they've had a pretty meteoric rise here over the past couple years, especially... To a lot of people, esports is still a very new concept, and at, at its core, esports is competitive video gaming, effectively. Bingo. Just like you know traditional sports, it can be a team sport or it can be a solo sport, Overwatch, of course, being a team sport. That's right. Overwatch
3: is a competitive team sport. You have uh, two teams going up against each other. It is a 6v6, and this is going to be your traditional first-person shooter. Now, uh, what makes... Overwatch standout from other first-person shooter games is they use what's called a hero system. So every single character that a player plays has unique abilities. And within Overwatch, those can be broken down into three main archetypes. You have your tank, you have your offense, and you have your support. It, and when you have those three different types
4: of, uh, of characters those are usually represented in what in games we like to call the trinity sometimes. Tanks are your big guys up front. Your offensive and defensive linemen. Your damage sponges. If you will. Your sponges. The guys who sit around and protect everybody else on the team or
3: stop the opponent from attacking your team. You want them to apply pressure to the other team, so that they're you know throwing a little bit of off balance. They can't necessarily you know pin down what it is that
1: your team is trying to accomplish, and they provide a little bit of protection for some of other your other characters, depending on their ability sets. That's yes. right, and then of course you have your
3: supports, which effectively are healers. Now, uh, uh, you, they obviously do have some ability to dish out the damage. The uh, MVP this season, Jonak, is uh, one of the probably deadliest supports in the entire league, but effectively what it comes down to is they have different abilities that help to sustain your team and basically put you in a more advantageous position to make sure that you're pushing for the right objective. Now, lastly you have your offensive heroes. These are the guys that get the highlights,
4: the strikers, the wide receivers, the slam slam dunks, the skill position players. These are the guys who are going to be the
1: easiest to watch and provide those big match. So if you want to break it down and kind of draw some parallels to traditional sports, right? You've got your tanks and your support, which are mostly defensive characters. And then you've got your damage dealers, which are going to be your offensive line. So in that, teams are comprised of different heroes. And actually, team composition matters quite a bit in Overwatch.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, And they're up to 27 heroes now in the game. So you can get quite a few different compositions and quite a few different combinations of heroes depending on the the game mode and the map, which is the next big thing. When you're watching the Overwatch League, you're going to see these teams performing on different maps with different sets of objectives, and the way that you win is within a certain amount of time, you have to complete your objective, the enemy team then gets a chance to do the same, and whoever completes it quickest is the one who's determined the winner. Or completely stops their opponent from achieving it at all. That's right. Now, the type of map types you're going to see is you have one called payload, which is pretty straightforward. You have a payload that you're trying to escort from, from the start of the map to the end of the map. Now, in order to do that, only your team can be near the payload. That's where the defense comes in. So long as they're also standing on the payload, it will not move forward,
1: and that's where the action comes in. You're listening to Checkpoint Radio, a special edition of Checkpoint Radio, another Philly channel. Championship, the Fusion Run to Overwatch Grand Finals, and you're listening to it on 97.5 The Fanatic. Now, also you
4: have in your map pool is something called Control Point, which is essentially King of the Hill. There'll be a point on the map that both teams are vying to control. The first team to stand on it when it goes green They'll control it. The other team can go onto that spot and contest it, and that can flip
3: flop back and forth. The first to we reach 100% wins. And it's the first to two in these maps as well. So you always have a chance to come back even if you lose that first point. You also have assault, which uh, as the attacking team, you have two points that you have to take. It's very objective based. You know that you have to get to this one point, clear the defenders off of it, make sure that your team is the only one standing on it for a set amount of time to capture it, then move on to the second one. And then lastly, you have what's called a hybrid, which is a cross between the assault and the escort map. You have a single point that your team has to take from the defending team and then you have to escort it through the rest of the map. And again, after the attacking team does it, depending on how far they get, it switches, and the defending team gets a chance to try and push it further.
1: Well, listen, you're throwing a lot at me as a new viewer to Overwatch, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. You've got different map types, different hero types, and when I just look at the screen and I watch Overwatch, all I see is action. All I see is kinetic movements and stuff going off all the time and people moving. How do I actually sit down and watch Overwatch if this is my very first time ever watching it? Well, one
4: of the first things you want to do is you want to figure out Who are the damage dealers? This is really sort of the first point of reference for you to come in and watch Overwatch as a sport. You want to see who is actually attacking the other team. Once you get that down, you'll be able to see sort of how the match plays out. You'll see when a bunch of players are taken out. There'll be a kill feed or a elimination feed on the side of the screen in the upper right hand corner
3: that will show you who is eliminating who. Yeah, now this is one of the most important factors to keep in mind when you're trying to watch the action cuz you're right, when you're looking at it from a third person point of view when you can see all the different action going on, it can be a bit hard to follow. But knowing who in the kill feed's being eliminated and just like traditional sports teams, they have their colors, the Philadelphia Fusion Orange and Proud. Those are the ones you're going to be Looking for. If you're in the left side, you got The
1: kill. If you're in the right side, you Just got taken down a peg. Okay, so uh, We've got our defensive and Offensive characters, and It seems like it's a pretty big deal when One of those defensive characters ends up Going down. Eliminations are Not exactly how the Game is won. The one, the game is won in points, But eliminations are going to play A big role. Explain Why the defensive Line getting taken out of your team is is so detrimental.
4: Well, it's effectively like a good block at the line of scrimmage, right? It it essentially takes that player out of the equation in terms of the rest of the play unfolding. How long are they out of the equation? Uh, They are out for approximately... Was it five seconds
3: Mm -hmm, before you respawn? Before you respawn, and then you have to worry about running all the way back to where the action's going down. Now, the reason why getting the first kill is so important in 90% of team fights, once a character goes down, 90% of the time that team's probably going to use because you're effectively looking at a power play at that point. You're going 6v5. And if it's one of your supports, or as you said, one of the tanks, one of the defensive lines, you just lost a big, big damage sponge. And now there's more
2: incoming damage all around to the rest of your teammates. Yeah, when, when one of the offensive players, sees that the defense's tank or support has gone down you can bet that they're about to press the go button and it is as a new viewer especially you know nate you and i are newer viewers to overwatch it can be very daunting to try and follow and that's where the casters really come into play Overwatch in Blizzard They have an outstanding Casting team who will Help take you through The action and I and You know here's the Thing is that anyone Who is coming
1: to Overwatch for the very First time tonight at Seven o'clock when the Overwatch grand finals Get kicked off on ESPN And by the way there Are a variety of Different ways that you Can watch Overwatch Including twitch.tv Slash Overwatch League Overwatch League.com uh, Disney XD and of Course the premiere Tonight on ESPN but You know when when You tune in in for the first time there's gonna be a lot of things going on on screen and the thing is is that Blizzard is so good about their production quality and the way that that uh, sports entertainment has moved in their production aspects for years that I, I think that anyone coming to it for the first time is going to find a very welcoming environment to try to be able to follow the action
4: and as Robbie alluded to earlier Philly you guys will be room for those guys in orange. So when you see the guys in orange... On the left side of that kill feed, or you see orange filling up the progress bar, that's good news for your team. So also pay attention to that, and that all will
1: be displayed on screen in an overlay in a very Mm -hmm. easy to understand thing. Now there may be some people listening who maybe have a context from uh, you know a Call of Duty or uh, you know a different shooter where it's one bullet one kill or two bullets equals a kill. Can uh, explain what's going on with the health totals and why viewers need to pay attention to the health totals. Well, you definitely got to pay attention to
4: that because different characters deal damage at different rates based upon their abilities. Of course, your healers will deal a lot less damage than your damage dealers or your DPS characters. They'll
3: also refill the HP of any of your characters that have taken
4: damage. That is correct. But... The one big thing that this game has that not a lot of others have is the ultimate. That is basically every character has an ace in the hole ability that after they charge to 100%, they can throw in and completely change the landscape of a team fight and sometimes an entire
1: match. So it's not just a foregone conclusion that your ultimate is going to be available. You've actually got to do actions in the match to be able to earn that and build that up, right? That is correct.
2: And that goes back what Robbie was saying about this idea of a power play. You'll frequently see when one of the other players, uh, one of the defenders players goes down, that offensive team, you're going to see a lot of ults get popped real quick and they're going to go for it. Well, there you have it. Just some of the basics
1: of Overwatch and Overwatch League in case tonight is your first time watching OWL. Make sure you catch the first day of play between Philadelphia Fusion and the London Spitfire tonight at 7pm on ESPN. You can also join us for our continued coverage of the Grand finals at our twitch channel at twitch.tv slash checkpoint radio still ahead on checkpoint we'll check out some of the interviews collected at yesterday's media day that's ahead in about 20 minutes on checkpoint special another philly championship the fusion run to the overwatch grand final but ahead next we'll track the fusion's path to the grand final stick around that's ahead next on checkpoint radio on 97.5 the fanatic
0: This is Checkpoint Radio. Check out the latest eSports and gaming news and opinions at CheckpointRadio.com. This is Checkpoint, eSports and gaming radio. CheckpointRadio.com.
1: Hey, welcome back to Checkpoint Radio special presentation, another Philly championship, the Fusion run to the Overwatch Grand Final on 97.5 The Fanatic. We're giving you all you need to know to cheer on the Philly Fusion as they face off against the London Spitfire in the Overwatch Grand Finals tonight at 7pm on ESPN. Follow us on Twitch, that's twitch.tv slash Checkpoint Radio. You can join us when we go live on Wednesdays when we do episodes of this very show. By the way, are are you an amazon prime member well then you can support checkpoint radio on twitch by going to twitch.tv slash checkpoint radio and subscribe for free to our channel it's already included in your amazon prime membership throughout the week we're broadcasting additional shows on twitch you'll find a schedule at our page at twitch.tv slash checkpoint radio check it out and subscribe So now that we're all clear about what Overwatch is and how to make sense of what you're seeing on screen, we should talk about the path that Philly has taken to get to the Grand Finals because there were some really big obstacles this team had to overcome to get where they are. Oh, they sure did. Now, if you're familiar
3: with esports or not, the way that Overwatch League does their season is definitely different from a lot of other ones. They have four stages that they play throughout the season, and the six top-seeded teams from those four stages then are the ones that actually... Participate in the postseason Which is what's going on right now and also At the end of those stages there's Brief little stage championships where right. the teams can win additional Money yeah now the philadelphia fusion Really was a rags to riches story When you look back even as far back as the Preseason they were the one team that Didn't show up due to logistical Issues with their players
1: Yeah which was really Kind of strange concerning uh, and, and a little bit disappointing because you know It's the first preseason of O.W. Well, ever, and you kind of want to be able to gauge the competition, but here Philly Fusion wasn't able to show up, and uh, and and so we had to wait until the season proper got started to actually get a look at this team.
3: That's right, and that did set off a few red flags. What also didn't help in stage one is they ended up finishing seventh overall, going six and four. However, the- they were the first team to beat the NYXL. Which I think was the
4: light at the end of the tunnel here. It was, and the NYXL eventually ended up being far and away the best Mm -hmm. team in the entire Overwatch League during the
2: regular season. Yeah, New York's team, no one going into it expected them to be that dominant, but they were every bit that dominant. That's right. It should also be noted, too, in the first
3: stage that Philadelphia did lose to London, something that would come back to bite them as we go into stage two as well. They did a lot better this time. They were ranked third, going 7-3, and which is only one better than they did in the previous stage. They, again, lost to London, as well as New York and Seoul. Arguably the three, probably the better teams at that point, but the big turnaround here was that because they were ranked third in this stage, they were one of the three teams that got to go into the stage finals, and they went up against the London Spitfire. And this time, they were able to turn their fortunes around. Yeah, and in that stage semifinal, they were able to beat
4: London 3-2 in one of the most exciting stage finals that we've
1: seen. Fury's still on that payload. They've got to push the Diva off. They've got to do it. Overtime would take away so quickly right That's now. That's going to be it. And going into this series without a single map when it gets London, Philly in the semifinal.
3: That was probably the defining moment for what we're going to see in this narrative of what goes
2: back and forth between the Philadelphia Fusion and the London Spitfire going forward. Unfortunately for Stage 2, though, that was kind of the highlight as they then went on to lose to New York.
3: Yes, unfortunately, again, New York being the powerhouse, of course, and uh, going into Stage 3 is probably a stage that Philly doesn't really want to remember. That's a stage to forget. Yeah, yeah. ranked 8th, they went 5-5, five in five. their uh, worst stage yet, but uh, stage 4 was definitely the defining moment here. Now, it's also a little bit, bit kind of sour for me, because going through most of the season, their main tank, Fraggy, kind of, you know, I think really carried the fusion, uh, you know, on his back. And it was tough going for him, too, because early on, a lot of their woes can be contributed to, I think, an over-eagerness of his to jump into team fights a little too early and get deleted. And that's exactly why late in the season
4: and moving into the postseason, he was dropped in favor of Sato and Hotba.
2: Those players... Ended up much more consistent than he did. But I still don't know that that's fair to Frag either. He came in in a very difficult situation at the beginning of the season. You're right. In in stage one, he had a difficult time, but obviously in stage two, he picked it up a little bit better and played and performed pretty admirably in a backup role, I thought. So you had Sadel come into stage four, which ended up being, I think, despite.
3: Mm, Ending up rank six, it was still one of their better stages here. They showed a lot of promise against a lot of teams. And as you said, Sato and Hotma coming in leading the majority of this stage. We also saw at this point the uh, a lot of heavy use from EQO over Shadowburn along with Carpe. And as, as we know, the Carpe EQO duo is absolutely out of this world when it comes to DPS. And
4: this was the genesis of it late in the stage four. We really began to see them gel as a duo and they hit their stride at the right time. How often do we see that in sports where you have a team hit its stride at the perfect moment and moving into this postseason season? you
3: clearly saw it from Philadelphia Well and something else to consider too both in stage 3 and stage 4 which I think this spells great news for Philly going into the grand finals They've beat London now since that First win in the Stage 2 semifinals They beat them every single Time and with each victory It's been more and
1: more apparent That Philly really has an Edge over them. You're listening to a special Presentation from Checkpoint Radio Another Philly championship The Fusion run to the Overwatch Grand Finals on 97.5 The Fanatic. We're currently talking About the Philly Fusion's Path to the Grand Finals Of course they're going to be going up against the London Spitfire tonight at 7 p.m starting on ESPN you guys should really check it out and uh, I think it's gonna be a huge matchup which this actually this brings us to the postseason where Philly was really
2: kind of cast as an underdog in this entire matchup yeah Philly to me was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team throughout the season you saw that in a lot of their stage records they usually were in that you know six and four seven and three yeah. you know three and f- uh, three and seven kind of brackets they are always in the middle because they would either show up and play extraordinarily well Or they'd show up and look lost You never knew which Philly you would be seeing exactly. on
1: any given night Well,
2: and
3: they really just kind of eked out that sixth
1: seed as well Because going into the last week of Stage
3: 4 It was really determined and dependent on other teams' performances as well as their
1: own That's a really good point So, they first squared off against the Boston Uprising Who, yes, they didn't have a great Stage 4 But, man, was the Uprising high in Stage 3, and still wanted to try to carry some of that momentum with them into the postseason. Exactly. Boston was one of the teams that had one of the best
4: records in Stage 3. They didn't lose a single match going all the way back into the end of Stage 2, moving through all of Stage 3. So this was a very good team that had a strong possibility at beating Philadelphia,
1: and yet Philly just showed up especially Carpe was able to rise to the occasion to take down the Boston Uprising a worthy foe by the way you know not not a slouch of a competition and uh, you know those were some incredible matchups to watch and you're right Carpe coming out and with some amazing clutch plays in that matchup well of course they also took them to the, the, the,
3: the third series as well which isn't something that we've seen in every single playoff game so far so despite them yet winding pretty handily over Boston, I do still think that Boston gave us a pretty good
1: show along with them. But I mean, you want to talk about an underdog story. It is the semi-final matchup between the Philadelphia Fusion and the New York XL. New York XL had strong stages in one, two, three, and 4. They didn't have a weak stage in the bunch. They sat at the top of the leaderboards for almost the entirety of Season 1. This, this is the March
4: Madness moment. This 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 is is the low seed beating the top seed. This is what everybody watches the tournament for. Exactly. And this was that moment. And here's the thing. NYXL had some of the best players in the league, the reigning MVP going in, and Philly came in and was able to
1: utterly Dominate and, and and I think that this also needs to be mentioned as well, is that, you know, New York is an entirely Korean team. They have no language barriers when it comes to communicating amongst their team members. The Philly Fusion is a really multicultural, multi-ethnic squad that comes from all over the world. And you've got some big... Pretty serious communication barriers to be able to
2: overcome to bring them this far. Well, and not to mention, New York really had just kind of everything going for them at that point. A win means you're going to play in the Barclays Center. You're playing at home in the Grand Finals on that win. And, and they showed up frankly, kind of flat-footed. I don't want to take anything away from Philly who played, who had to play their best game and did. They arrived, they showed up and they played hard. But, man, you wonder how much that buy kind of affected the New York Excelsior. Well, and again, like you said, we don't want to take anything away from Philly
3: because New York is still the best team. Yeah. But when it comes right down to it, what the Philadelphia Fusion did to them can only be described as dismantling.
1: Philadelphia Fusion, they need to win this fight. New York needs it even more. But there goes Mech, goes Mech. There goes Jodak. He swapped on those 76 and Philadelphia Fusion. Have they done it? Have they set themselves to the Overwatch League Grand Finals? I think they may have. They have to. Arc's the only one left there And none of us, none of us who sat around and predicted the outcome of the finals would have bet on Philly uh, to, to come out over New York. No That's how good NYXL looked coming into the postseason. But Joe, I think you brought up a really good point. That one week by may have been the thing that did them in. But there you go, Philly. That's been your team's path to the grand finals. An exciting and unlikely story. And I mean, listen, if, if Philly knocking the Postseason favorites New York out of the mix doesn't do it for you. I don't know what will. Such a great story. Still ahead on Checkpoint: Who deserves the postseason MVP nod? Jonak got named the MVP for the regular season, but now the NYXL are out. Who would get the postseason nod? That conversation is ahead in about 15 minutes on Checkpoint Special. Another Philly championship: The Fusion run to the Overwatch Grand Final. But ahead next, we'll check out some of the interviews for the OWL Grand Finals Media Day. Stick around. Those exclusive conversations are ahead next on Checkpoint Radio on 97.5 The Fanatic.
0: Checkpoint. Esports and Gaming Radio. This is Checkpoint. Esports and Gaming Radio. Checkpointradio.com.
1: Hey, welcome back to Checkpoint Radio special presentation. Another Philly championship, the Fusion Run to the Overwatch Grand Finals on 97.5, The Fanatic. Make sure you're following us on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Radio. Throughout the week, you can also tune in for Checkpoint Radio shows on our Twitch channel. And when you do, you can subscribe to our channel using your Amazon Prime membership at no additional charge. When you subscribe to Checkpoint Radio on Twitch, you get extra benefits. It's free when you use your Amazon Prime membership. Just go to twitch.tv/slash checkpoint radio and join us during the week for more insight on esports and to be a part of the show. Yesterday was media day at the Overwatch Grand Finals, and we sent our own Robbie and Norris out to the Barclays Center to find out how the Fusion are preparing for their matchup against the London Spitfire.
4: This is Norris Howard with Checkpoint Radio coming to you from the Overwatch Finals in New York. I'm with members of the Philadelphia Fusion. Tucker Roberts, the team owner. We've also got players, EQO, Neptuno, and Boombox. Now, Tucker, I'd like to start with you. This season has had a lot of ups and downs for the Fusion. Did you think you'd even be here at the start of the season? Here. At the Grand Finals?
2: We thought we had a great team, but we didn't put expectations to make to the finals the first season. We thought probably Season 2 will start really uh, gelling and, and getting momentum, but to see early success is is very welcome.
4: To you, what's the best thing about the Overwatch League Grand Finals?
2: Well, I think the best thing is that we're close to home. We're close to Philly, so we can actually bust some of our fans up, and we've got a couple hundred of them coming in buses. Uh, so that'll be, I'm sure, a crazy bus ride. Uh, but, you know... Look, New York is an amazing uh, city. It's it's iconic for America. And um, for a lot of our players that are not from America, it's their first time here. So it's pretty exciting for them to be in the Big Apple and go, you know, check things out and walk around the city. Obviously focusing and preparing for the game, but also taking it in while they're here.
4: Tucker Roberts, owner of the Philadelphia Fusion, has been joining us here on Checkpoint Radio. Now I want to move on to Star DPS EQO. He's known for his high level of play on a wide array of heroes. What does it mean for you personally to be here at the OWL Grand
5: Finals? It means a lot to accomplish what I've accomplished at my age, but everything was like through hard work, so it wasn't easy, of course.
4: How have you guys been preparing for this match against London Spitfire?
5: We've done a lot. Like we've been, you know, practicing every day, making sure that we're not rusty, you know, going through like this change and doing our best to like find the best counter to london i guess
4: eqo the infamous dps for the philadelphia fusion has been joining us here on checkpoint we've got also the backline pair of boombox and neptuno boombox i'll start with you what has been the biggest challenge for the fusion? What have you had to overcome this year?
0: We've been improving our team play. Cause none of us have ever played together before, so we were like learning each other's voices, how we play, like how we want to play and how we should talk. So the whole Season, I guess we've been improving that, and like in playoffs, really like hit our strides and we pr- improved a lot of our like basic issues. So now we've just, I guess, peaked at a good level.
4: What's the coolest part about being a part of the Overwatch League?
0: Before this year, I'd never been to America, and now I've been to like five different cities in America, so it's nice to see lots of different. I guess, cities and cultures, because they're quite different from each other, mostly.
4: Boombox, flex support for the Philadelphia Fusion, and half of the support team of Boombox and Neptuno. Speaking of, we've got Neptuno here with us. How have you been preparing for this match against London?
0: We prepare as
3: a team mentally, like uh, trying to trust in each other, and don't blame or don't think about... When we lose a fight or we are losing, don't think about it. Just think about how we should play the game and what is our role in the team, and also cheer up for our teammates every time. So I think that's the main reason we've been here. We made it here.
4: And lastly, what has the grand finals been like for you?
3: I mean, I think it's crazy that we're here. Like a lot of like famous people perform here. Like not only basketball.
0: Uh, I don't know. It's like crazy because I never expected to be in a place like this, doing what I love, so it's really good.
4: Neptuno, support for the Philly Fusion, has joined us here on Checkpoint Radio. This is Norris Howard for Checkpoint Radio, reporting from the Overwatch Grand Finals in New York.
3: This is Robbie Landis at the Overwatch Grand Finals in New York with Nate Nanzer, Commissioner for the Overwatch League. Tell us about the formation of the Overwatch League. What was your overall vision for the League?
5: You know, Overwatch League started us an idea uh, to sort of take traditional sports structures and apply them to eSports and create something new uh, in eSports that hadn't been done before. And it took... Uh, An incredible team across Blizzard Entertainment, um, from our game team that makes the game, uh, to marketing and broadcasts and events, uh, uh, a whole host of people that have worked tirelessly to get us to this point.
3: The Overwatch League has had a really stellar production quality and has really set the bar in terms of expectations for esports presentations, and that's just in your first season. Tell us about the production aspect of the Overwatch League.
5: We wanted to make sure that this league, uh, uh, everything from the team logos to the to the matches, was incredibly high quality. Bar it looked great, uh, and, and you know I think that's something I'm, I'm very proud of. I think we've uh, also you know really knocked expectations out of the park in terms of uh, uh, the audience, uh, in terms of our commercial success. You know we're incredibly proud of our, our five sponsors that we had this year. Uh, was, you know it's an awesome honor to be working with Twitch, just our, our digital distribution partner, and. ESPN One tomorrow night in primetime is, is going to be pretty awesome, too. So we're excited about uh, setting the foundation this year and you know, excited to come back next year and hopefully make it even better.
3: With the Overwatch League debuting on ESPN, there's going to be a whole new audience exposed to the OWL and esports. What is it that you want the OWL Finals to represent to the wider sports world?
5: There's over 40 million people that play Overwatch, all right? And so what we have represented here this weekend... Is you're going to see 12 players on stage that represent the you know the 0.001 percent of those players, the truly the best of the best. And to get here, it, it is not random, right? It's these guys worked incredibly hard. They've dedicated their lives to being uh, a pro gamer, to being the best Overwatch player in the world. And this weekend's really all about them. And I think uh, if you're a fan of competition. Uh, which I think most of us are, uh, I think you'll find something that you'll, that you'll like about this, whether it's the stories behind the players, uh, whether it's the fast-paced action, all of those things combined. I think there's an incredible amount of similarities with, with traditional sports. Uh, and at the end of the day, competition is something that we all, we all love to watch.
3: You're listening to Checkpoint Radio, eSports and Gaming Radio. We're currently speaking with Nate Nanzer, Commissioner for the Overwatch League. What has the local support for Overwatch League teams been like for this first year?
5: We've seen an incredible outpouring of support from cities all over the world, uh, and this really organic grassroots movement to support these teams and cities. And so I think when people tune in on ESPN tomorrow night, what they're going to see, they're going to see Philadelphia versus London. Uh, And there's a couple things about that. I mean, first is that's going to look like everything else they see uh, on the network. It's going to look familiar to them. Uh, They're going to immediately understand, all right, so... The team from Philly is playing the team from London, and whoever wins this is the, is the world champion. The other cool piece of that is it's truly a world champion. Uh, there's not a lot of leagues in the world where you have the glo- global cities, right? Like a team from Europe playing a team from the US for a championship is, is incredibly rare. I'm not even sure it exists anywhere in traditional sports.
3: And finally, to wrap up, what would you say was your biggest goal with the first season of the Overwatch League?
5: Before we launched the league, our, one of our stated internal goals was that every season should be better than the last. That should be our one of our North Stars as, as we build this league and we've even made lots of changes this year as we've gone along, you know, feedback from our community we've changed. Made tweaks to the schedule uh, based on feedback from our community and from our players. And so I, I think we're going to have a series of meetings sitting down with key stakeholders uh, across the league and and really look to where what are things that we can improve uh, and then really think about the product. Uh, how do we make the game more watchable uh, to new players. How do we add more spectating tools to make it, to give you know core fans what they want and give casual fans what they want. So we're really gonna be thoughtful about how do we improve the overall experience of being a fan in the Overwatch League. Uh, and while hopefully adding more teams, uh, to, to, to to bring more cities uh, into the fold and give more fans an opportunity to have a, a home team.
3: Nate Nanzer, Commissioner for the Overwatch League from the Overwatch Grand Finals at the Barclays Center in New York, here on Checkpoint Radio.
1: Thanks, Robbie. Big thanks to Bader Media Group and the Overwatch League for assistance on the interviews. Make sure to tune in to the Overwatch Grand Finals between the Philadelphia Fusion and the London Spitfire tonight in less than an hour at 7pm on ESPN. Coming up next on Checkpoint, Jonak may have received the regular season MVP, but who would get the postseason nod? Plus, we'll break down the critical factors on what to watch for going into tonight's game. That's all coming up on Checkpoint special presentation another Philly championship the Fusion run to the Overwatch Grand Finals on 97.5 The Fanatic.
0: This is Checkpoint Esports and Gaming Radio This is Checkpoint Esports and Gaming Radio Checkpointradio.com
1: Welcome back to Checkpoint Radio, eSports and Gaming Radio. I want to thank everyone listening on The Fanatic in Philadelphia 97.5. Make sure that you follow us on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash checkpointradio. You can join us when we go live on Wednesdays when we do episodes of this very show. Hey, by the way, are you an Amazon Prime member? Well, then you can support Checkpoint Radio on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash checkpointradio and subscribe for free to our channel. It's already included in your Amazon Prime membership. Throughout the week, we're broadcasting a additional shows on Twitch, you'll find a schedule on our page at twitch.tv slash checkpointradio. Check it out and subscribe. Last week, the idea of picking a postseason MVP seemed a little silly. Jonak was a well-deserved pick for the regular season MVP, but last week, the NYXL were still a part of the bracket. Now that we're down to the final, and we're almost finished with season one, I do think that we should actually probably talk about who deserves the postseason MVP nod. That's right. Now that we're narrowed it down to just the London
3: Spitfire and the Philadelphia Fusion, we don't have a whole lot of people to look at, so I thought maybe we would break this down in sort of like a by-roll category, starting with looking at the Tanks that we have for each side. Now, on the Philadelphia Fusion side, you have the trio of Hotba, Sato, and Poco. Unfortunately, Fraggy hasn't graced us with his presence just yet. But then. what on- do you think he's going to grace uh, us with his presence? No, probably no he is not. not. No, unfortunately. He carried them as far as he could, but uh, it's probably probably best to uh, to leave him on the bench. I'm sorry, Fraggy. Uh, and then over on London side, we have uh, Gesture. And Fury. And, and Fury is their flex off tank, but I mean, you know, Gesture's their, their main their tank, main who, tank yeah. who definitely carries a lot of the weight and personally, if I'm looking at that, uh, out of them, Gesture would kind of be my pick because I feel like what you have with Hot Bustado and and Poco is kind of interchangeable. I don't know that any of them really carry it more than anyone else. Wrong, Wrong,
4: wrong, wrong. You're wrong. The MVP, if it was a tank in this matchup, is Poco, obviously. Obviously. But even Hopper's been dropping dropping those Hopper bombs. He's the most dynamic. He still drops the bombs. And he has the number one. He's the number one in E-limbs right now in the Overwatch postseason. Above all DPSs, above
2: all everybody, Poco is at the top of the list. Shut up. But if you're splitting time with two other players in your role, it's hard to say that you're the MVP of your role, let alone of your team. But Man, that's a great elims,
4: point. if he's topping limbs and is playing less than everybody else, then that shows how
2: dominant he is when he's in the game. Well, I'll grant you that. So they can make him MVP but only if they also fire their coach for not playing him more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but here's the thing. So we don't just have tanks. We've also got supports
3: as well. Yeah, see now the support category is a lot harder because I would like to go with Bedosin, who's a great Zenyatta, but when you have someone like Jonak getting the MVP for setting the standard as Zenyatta in the regular season, it kind of feels like a little, a bit of a downgrade, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with yeah, that. and
3: some people might argue for Neptuno, deadliest Mercy in the game, but when it comes down to <laughs> it, he, he's, he's still just he's a just, Mercy. He's just Mercy, Guys. yeah. So, I mean, it, it does have to go to Bedosin, I think, for utility. Are nah. you trying to suggest that that's like you saying you have the deadliest Chihuahua? Uh, well, see, look, the thing is, right <laughs> now, especially in the playoffs, we're seeing a lot of single healer Single-heel. meta only one Mercy carrying everybody, and it's hard to say, well, Neptuno, you're the MVP for that when you have people, you know, like Ark was doing it, you know, for for NYXL, or you have Nuss and Closer is doing it over on the, over on the Spitfire side, And, and right? also,
4: when you run a double sniper, like, you don't have to
2: heal your other snipers that much. I mean, if they get shot, yeah. they're pretty much dead. Well, Ain't a lot of healing and, going on right there. And that's really the problem, is that none of these supports, I would say, are better than Jonak, so if we're calling exactly. it as a support, I'm saying let's just stick with Jonak. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> then we've got the third category to look at, which is
3: DPS and honestly this is where it all comes Down to because I think across the board tank Duos and support duos on both Sides are really good but the defining Factor is going to be Your DPS duos is it going to be Carpe and EQO or is it Going to be profit and bird
1: ring it's going to be Carpe, E.Q.O. Yeah. I, I, I think I, it's, it's going to be
3: Carpe, Carpe E.Q.O. <laughs> I, I think
1: so. I definitely think so. I, I mean, no one has been able to get the kind of shine that Carpe has been able to. And, uh, of course, E.Q.O. right there with
2: Carpe. I, I, I got to give them the nod for sure. No, well, me- let, me, let me ask you this, though. Does the MVP have to come off the team that wins? No. No, absolutely
4: not. I, I am a firm believer that it doesn't. Okay. I think if I think if somebody just performs out of their minds, even in a losing effort, that should be saluted.
2: You can still be the most valuable player in the game, even though your team well, didn't win. Uh, Luka Modric won best player in
4: the World Cup. He was on the losing team in the final. So, what do we
1: think? So, are, are we kind of all in
2: unanimous agreement? Does it go to Carpe and EQO? I think, I think it's it going to. Yeah. Well, I mean, you get to give it to a duo. I think you have to give it to one player. Carpe well, I think it's going to be Carpe. Carpe, Carpe. In the <laughs>
4: okay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we're all probably unanimous on that. You're listening to Checkpoint Radio special presentation another Philly championship the Fusion run to the Overwatch Grand Finals on 97.5 the Fanatic now before we get out of here because the OWL Grand Finals are starting at 7pm on ESPN um, what does the Fusion need to watch out for to stop London from taking a stronghold on the offense probably the biggest strength that London has
3: is going to be in their DPS duo Profit and Birdring now going into the postseason it was a real question on whether or not they were going to be able to pop off in mesh right. But I think that what they showed us against the Gladiators showed that they absolutely can. And so I think it's going to come down to the sniper duels that you have between the two, whether it's going to be Carpe and EQO or whether it's going to be Profit and Bird Ring. And honestly, I'm going to give the edge to the Philadelphia Fusion on I this one. I actually
4: think that is going to be the off-tank uh, battle between Poco and Fury. Whoever wins that battle
2: will also have a distinct advantage moving forward in the Grand Finals. You know, I, I picked uh, London to go all the way. In this originally, and now we're looking at Philly, who really need to be, go- they're going at their peak performance. They are playing some of the best they've played all season long. What does London need to do to slow that down?
4: Well, London definitely has to be aggressive, and they have to be able to push in on Carpe and EQO and take them down, because Poco and the other off, and other tanks can't really get going unless there's damage coming down range. If they don't have that, then London is definitely
3: gonna have a big advantage. See, this is where I think Gesture and Fury are gonna shine the most. If they can even just put a little bit of pressure on EQO and Carpe and allow Bird Ring and Profit to start to pick off some of the supports or, or, or maybe even the tanks, because we know that the new Hanzo meta makes it very, very dangerous for tanks to be out by themselves. I think that that's what's gonna give London the biggest edge
1: over the Philadelphia Fusion. So what is London's Achilles heel here? What is something that Philly could really come in and leverage and take advantage of? I think definitely if Philly is able to
4: go in and break down the structure, if they're able to take down uh, Gesture, if they're able to take down uh, Fury early on in a team fight, there's going to be a lot of disorganization in that London team. If they're able to do that, they'll have a great advantage and it just so happens that Philly have two of the best players at taking out Tanks, and. PS at rain.
3: Well, and with the double sniper meta too, one of the, I think, most important things for tanks to do is to make sure that there's enough room that your snipers have the sight lines that they need to line those shots up. So we have to agree with Norris here. If you can take Gesture or Fury, both if you're, you know, really hot, then it's really going to open up and, and make it so that it's going to be like
2: shooting fish in a barrel for someone like Carpe. Mm-hmm. So what would be you say London's, you know, ace in the hole? What, what's their biggest thing that they can fall back on and how does Philly respond? Oh,
3: you know, I, I definitely feel like Philly has the edge here so oh uh, man I don't know it's gonna be really hard I think that that profit and bird ring need to step up their game Carpe and EQO are legendary level players and honestly it's gonna be really really tough for for London I think
2: to find that shot at the end of this we're probably gonna be saying we're gonna be talking about one player for whoever wins so if, if each team wins who are we talking about Carpe Carpe and Carpe.
4: That's what we're going to be talking about if Philly hold up that trophy at the end of the day. He's one of the best DPS, if not the best DPS in the league, and we're going to be talking about him for a while. What about
1: the other
3: side? What about London? Uh, I personally think either Bird Ring or Fury. I would have to give it to Jester the main tank He's always been their Main tank in that role Throughout the entire season And if they go to victory He's the
1: one leading them All right. well there you go Starting in just a few minutes At 7pm on ESPN Make sure you tune in For the Overwatch Grand Finals And cheer on The Philly Fusion Thanks for joining us For this special presentation From Checkpoint Radio Another Philly Championship The Fusion run To the Overwatch Grand Final On 97.5 The Fanatic For more info on the show Links to articles And the Checkpoint Podcast Then head on over to CheckpointRadio.com. Stay up to date on all the latest by subscribing to Checkpoint Radio on social media. That's CheckPT Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, make sure to catch us at our normal time on Saturdays at 10 p.m. right here on The Fanatic. Interview media provided by Bader Media Group. I want to thank my crew. Kevin Graham and Rick Scott are our executive producers. Lead segment producing for this special by Joe Sloan and Robbie Landis. Producing and booking help from Christine Corpus. And of course, my co-host who pulled double duties as producers for Checkpoint Robbie Landis Norris Howard and Joe Sloan my name's Nate Bender Keep listening.
0: You've been listening to Checkpoint Radio, a complete look at all things esports and gaming. Check out the latest esports and gaming news and opinions at checkpointradio.com.
1: So, there you have it a special presentation from Checkpoint Radio, another Philly Championship diffusion run to the Overwatch Grand Final. Obviously, the Grand Final had just gotten wrapped up before recording this and before putting it out. This will be out uh, late Saturday night. Um, but, uh, yeah we we wanted to uh be able to make sure that everyone heard that conversation because it was really
2: kind of Kind of a big deal for us to be on in such a prime time uh, slot right there. Yeah, for those who don't know, like radio, I mean, 6 to 7 p.m. on a weekday? Uh, in sports talk radio specifically, yeah. that's a really, really big deal. Because if if it's, you know, uh, just regular talk radio, it, the morning commute is, is the big one that you want. But- well, most, ra- even music formats, like the morning drive is really like the
1: only... Time that you get for Any kind of talk right um, And and even then you know That's mostly entertainment focused right Exactly you know even at a sports talk Radio station like you know Mike and Mike Was syndicated from coast to coast For a long time and You know they got they got fairly decent ratings It was a fairly decent show mm-hmm. but it Was the afternoons that really where uh, Sports talk really picked up And of course the evenings too as you had uh, You know play by play and and Stuff like that coming on so
2: it was um, for us to think about that like somewhere out there there was a person who tuned into Overwatch because they heard us on they, the radio. Yeah, they heard us explain it, which yeah. I think is
1: uh, is is very very cool. So, oh, nice. Wow, yeah, there it is. So, real, it is. real quick before we uh, get out of here today, uh, we wanted to be able to do a real quick recap of what was going down on this week's episode. Wow, I almost got another one. What was going down? That felt like it was so long ago. I know, right? Like, we've produced four different things since then, right? Uh, It's been a long week. Anyway, uh, so we started off this week by talking about the OWL story so far, giving you a look back at uh, the entire inaugural season of Overwatch. You know, that's one of the points that we had brought up uh, in our uh, post game coverage, was that this is really remarkable that this is uh, Overwatch's very first season, and that they're, they've been able to come out of the gate and not just compete with you know uh, games and esports that, that have been around in some cases for 10 years but have been able to
2: really set the standard going forward for what the expectations are. And time and time again they've done that. I mean, we saw it first at the World Cup last year, the presentation was stellar. Then we yeah. saw it in the preseason it was stellar. Then the regular season it was outstanding. Then we get to the stage playoffs. They're great. And now they've once again upped it at the grand finals. And you're like, yeah, yeah. At some point maybe I just have to stop being surprised And give Blizzard some credit I mean they did not deviate from What
1: you know basically it was Sort of like they took the approach that this is Just Burbank but bigger it's just It's just Burbank yep. on, a, on a larger scale And they didn't do anything That was like blow you out of the water You know there wasn't like you know The Dota 2 fucking Holograms that they had yep. right Like there wasn't they didn't get stupid with it They were like we've set up a really good Formula here yep. and 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 it's Interesting that it's them that got the opportunity to be on ESPN One before anyone else. None of the hologram bullshit, none of the special, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the presentation stuff. No, like, it was, it I mean? was it a was, sports it, presentation. Exactly. And that's
2: what it was meant to be. Exactly. Cell and in the chat is asking, do we know when the next preseason starts? We know that uh, free agency gets underway in September, right? And that the next season will be in early 2019. So, real quick,
1: on the heels of the grand finals, we did not get into any expansion team announcements but there are
2: some heavy rumors out there right now. Yeah, we know they want to add six teams and three of them are basically all but decided. We're just fine it's just having paperwork finalized at this point. It's going to be a Guangzhou, uh, China, uh Paris, France, and Atlanta. Atlanta. Atlanta, those are the three that we're that we're hearing. That is kind of surprising. I didn't expect hot Atlanta to be in there. Why not Detroit? I know,
1: right? Come on, Come on. we're as Why big as Atlanta. We, we got to get something in the Midwest. Yeah, we got to get something in the Midwest to be able to hang our hat on. Because give me Chicago. Like for as much, I don't want to root for I, Chicago, but I will. I, I mean, like for, for as much as I I enjoyed watching Philly and rooting for Philly because we're on in Philly. Yeah. Um. I I do want a team that I can really end up hanging my hat on, and uh, you know what I mean. Like really yeah. root for. Like that's my team. Take some ownership of it. Come on, Renegades. I know, get in right? on this, please. Oh, come on. Uh, speaking of championship weekends, well, by the way, we also talk about the latest in esports and gaming news, but speaking of championships, we also had the PUBG Global Invitational going down in Berlin. Now, we got to watch I don't know, maybe about an hour, maybe half an hour of it. We watched a couple hours each day of it. Yeah, say, so and the, the first thing that I have got to remark is wow, I don't don't think that they that was not a sellout crowd.
2: That they definitely no. did not sell that place out. I mean, I'm just gonna say this: maybe going up against Overwatch wasn't the best idea. Ma- just, just maybe, just maybe. I mean, here's what I will say because uh, it's, it's really two stories that you have with PUBG. The presentation is every bit as good as anything I've seen. Yeah, totally. It's stellar. The stage looks great. The presentation, everything looks good. The great. Was, everything's great. Yeah. But, man, there were a lot of empty seats in Mercedes-Benz Arena. Wasn't there... Oh, it was,
5: was so, so disheartening. And
1: here's the thing. I, I don't know how much Overwatch really impacts that. I don't know either. Because if, you're, if, if your Grand Finals are in Berlin, if your Invitational is in Berlin, yep. right? It's not like, you know, that's across the street from New York. Like, right. who, who from Germany is traveling to New York to go watch the Overwatch Finals? Probably not that many, yeah, right? Yeah, not a huge percentage. Okay, so in terms of, uh, uh, you know, like, like, do you really think the Overwatch Grand Finals that many people home?
2: Well, and the other thing is, too, how many... Uh, this, when I say Overwatch was a good competition, that's more going to go towards their Twitch numbers, right? That's true. And we already saw that a lot of the reruns are getting really good viewership because no one was watching it live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or at least that's what I think. Well, I mean, maybe forcing that Game 3,
1: uh, you know, didn't work out for the Fusion, but maybe that's going to end up working out mm. in PUBG's favor. Maybe. Are they playing right now? What time is it in Germany? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Overwatch League channel can throw out a pity host for for PUBG. Oh, wouldn't that be embarrassing?
2: All right, wouldn't would, you love to hang on. I you, would be so you know, that would be our, we would make that our 12. That be are opening next week. If you
1: were an admin on the goddamn Overwatch cha- League channel, tell me you wouldn't do that. Tell me I oh, I, I, would, would. I would, but I'd I would. get fired. I, exactly. It would probably cost you your job. <laughs> but that but is yeah. enough shade to, to to throw
2: at a league. Like you don't it's get not an PUBG. I wouldn't do it to PUBG. I would throw it to Riot. Ooh. My chief competition at this Ooh. point. I throw it at them so, <laughs> and just really say like, "Hey, we heard you guys could use some help with your numbers." Yeah, but PUBG can really yeah, they can really use could, the yeah. help. Yeah.
1: Uh, so we also this week uh, we're talking about uh, let's see the worst list ever. Joe, you guys you had put together the, uh, worst, the worst list, list I ever. could find. Um, what
2: uh, did, you, did we really were that mean on the RPG so, list? Here is the thing: I was looking for a list, and as I started looking for a list. All that could come to mind was you guys being super butthurt about that RPG list. I'm like, you know what? They don't know what a bad list looks like. Let's show them. And it just so happened to be that I found top 50 games of all time according to Metacritic. I'm like, yeah, but that sounds terrible.
0: <laughs> and it was.
1: It sure was because uh, you made us look stupid throughout nine minutes of that segment. Yep. Oh, uh, good. We also uh, debated the OWL postseason MVP. Obviously, we were th- all wrong. That went to Profit, who deserved it. Hands down. If yep. you watched those last two days of play, he was the clutch player uh, for uh, London's offense. And I mean, uh, uh, again, I c- cannot think of anyone who deserves it more. Yeah, the
2: number one player that we all kind of speculated was that it would be
1: Carpe. And he got shut down. It was like they were throwing guards at him like uh, basketball teams used to do at Michael Jordan. Carpe was a non-factor. Uh, really, they had completely nixed him out of every single game today. Maybe London listened to our broadcast. Maybe they did. Maybe we're the reason the Spitfire won. Uh, do we have rebroadcasts in Korean? No. Yeah, then I don't then think probably not. Probably not. Yeah, no. Fair yeah, probably not. Uh, and uh, of course, we uh, start the second hour of the show off with the latest in gaming news. A lot to cover there, and uh, of course, uh, ending up with you know the, there was some defense of uh, Anthem from yeah. uh, from James Olin, uh, a former Bioware employee, twenty two year vet, and and I just don't know that I believe him. I mean, he yeah. has no reason to come. Out and play damage control. That's he doesn't work for them anymore. He doesn't know, yeah. so he has, he, has, no reason. he has no reason to. But I do think that he may not be privy to some of the factors that are going on inside the studio. Then again, he may. I mean, who knows? Who knows the individuals involved with that studio better than him? I, I just uh, I don't
2: know. I don't know what to think about it. Here is the problem. I, I hear what he has to say, and I either don't believe him, or I'm more upset at Bioware. Yeah, like I'm not happy with either of those outcomes. I'd prefer not to believe him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I I just don't think that Anthem is gonna end up being very good. I no. mean, just like it, I, it, and maybe it might be a competent game at the end of the day. Sure. But I have this feeling, I just I in the in the pit of my soul, I have this feeling that it's gonna end up feeling generic-y, especially
2: because of the expectations that bioware fans have of bioware products. So that's the problem. When you take a bioware game and strip out everything that is that is bioware, you're left with something very generic. Like if you take out all of like the the bioware fingerprints off of Mass Effect, you have an ultra generic, frankly not very good like sci-fi shooter.
1: Yeah. That's, a, that's actually a really good point. Uh, we also talk about uh, Keemstar and his very public battle with uh, Epic Games. Oh, yeah. uh, not working out for that guy too well. And uh, from what I hear, you know, he he's getting into uh, Realm Royale tournaments. Yes. From what I hear, that there was a Realm Royale tournament that went down this weekend that did not go very well at all.
2: Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is like what we talk about. Do we want companies taking full control over their esports and, in doing so, shutting out the kind of grassroots and third-party groups, or do we want the third-party groups and grassroots opportunities out there, but this is the price you pay for it sometimes. It doesn't always work when you have inexperienced people. So you get more... I would say there's more innovation with grassroots, but less consistency. So do you think that epic clamping down on the grassroots
1: scene, do you think that that's going to be... Overall, advantageous for the formation of the Fortnite competitive scene, or do you think it's going to hinder it for a while?
2: I think you just answered the question. I think it's going to hinder it for a while, but overall will be the right call. At first, there's going to be some rough spots, and you know people are going to be getting used to it. Just like what we saw with Overwatch. Think about that first year after Riot or after Blizzard announced their intentions for Overwatch League like there was tournaments being shut down left and right uh left and right players were losing their jobs a lot of frustration we were wondering when the hell it's going to begin yeah and then they got it going, and, and it was, it was And they got it right. Exactly. Like, that was the key, is that when it got going, they got it right. Exactly. Um, That's probably what Fortnite will look to replicate, or Epic will look to replicate. I, I, I just, I have to wonder, though, you know, because
1: Epic does kind of, you know, they do really clever things with Fortnite, I think very forward-thinking things, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we're still talking about a game that exists on one map, and and have has only ever existed on one map. Now, granted, that map has... Changed more than a PUBG map Correct. ever has. Correct, and and I think you know that that should that's worth noting. But the thing is, is that you know I, I wonder how much longer it can sustain on only having one map and being the most popular game out on the planet, right? Like, how long some, does it sustain on its name alone? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. At, at, at what point does the bottom end up falling out of that, and then you have a lot of disaffected Fortnite players that are looking for something else to do? And will they go back to PUBG? Will I you doubt see PUBG it. Research? No. I don't think so. No. I don't think so. You've got so many other options in the Battle Royale genre, yeah. you know. Like, Realm Royale. Yeah, Realm Royale. Uh, you've got... Um, uh, People play a lot of Paladins. Not Knight, exactly. What is it? Knights of the Nine or something like that. Oh, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isles of Nine or something. There's a ton of these style games that are coming out. Sure. Uh, Sha- uh, with with the Shadow something or other. The, the What's the... I, I even own it. Um, <laughs> God damn it. That's how I, good it is. I wanted this game and for so long, and then bought it, and I still have not played it. Hunt Showdown, that's it. Oh, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Like, there's so many variations now on the genre that I feel like you know, like I I don't know that PUBG will ever be able to rebound. Interesting. And, and I and if you go by gauging the interest in the competitive scene, I think that PUBG is going to do some definitive shrinking after this Invitational.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I'll be very curious to see what their next tournament looks like and how PUBG Corp is talking about their eSports scene after this. Because we got a good look at their five-year plan before this. Right, right. I'm curious to see if that will be the plan after this weekend or if it will change. I I am also
1: very curious. But the one thing that I do have to give PUBG in this category is some of their new casting tools that they have are phenomenal. That game is easier to follow now than it has ever been. And a lot of those concerns and criticisms that we had about Battle Royale-style games entering into the esports genre early on, just in terms of raw presentation, have been completely allayed. I am so impressed Mm with With what they've been able to, to, to put forward That game is no harder To follow than Overwatch is. Absolutely Absolutely uh, We also uh, Talk about Let's see uh, The Olympics Yes Esports coming to the Olympics Of course Jake and Kaguri Out
2: at the uh, I- Olympic IOC meeting yep. Which seems to have Gone very well It seems like The Olympic Committee Sounds excited And of course They've been excited You know In spurts About esports For a while You've got sure. your curmudgeons Who are not into it I mean, It's you- not sports Exactly But then you have Your people who say like Hmm Maybe we want the Olympics To still be around In 20 years Good point Who are like We need to, we need to get Young people interested and No one No young people Are tuning in For track and field
0: These days uh,
1: You know And this was something That you had mentioned Yesterday When we kept Seeing crowd shots In So In the Barclays Center That there were so many people and all of them Were so young. When's the last time you saw Like 12,000 people Of like under 30 in a room It's pretty amazing. I mean again And the number of people showing up to the Barclays Center uh, also should uh, You know should should get a footnote There as well. But yeah uh, uh, The formation of the esports Liaison group to be a liaison Between the IOC and The wider esports world I think that this bodes very very well for the future of eSports in the Olympics The discussions I,
2: next year do it, they go to the 2024 games or not I, what do you think what do you think are they gonna get it my gut says they will be a demonstration sport in 2024 I think that you're right I think that that's a bit of a hedging with the demonstration sport but I'm I actually, think I almost every sport starts as one
1: but I, I think after you know the the response that things like the international have gotten uh, the you know the um, uh, how impactful it is in Korea and China yeah. and in other regions um, and what kind of splash the Overwatch League was able to make this weekend. I think that those are three really big factors that push it beyond a demonstration sport. I think that they're going to get in. Fingers crossed. We'll see. And then, of course, we ramp up this week talking about our social media question, asking you what your favorite eSports entity is, player team, personality, caster, whatever it is. We wanted to know. And, uh, of course... The answer uh, was us. Everyone said us. Yeah. Right. Literally every answer. It's so flattering. Thank yeah, you, guys. Very kind. Uh, anyway, all right. That's going to be it for the Checkpoint Radio podcast as the party continues to blare next door. Uh, I'm going to ass- go get in on that party. I- I'm assuming that they're London fans and that we're just going to go over that there and party with them. I mean, it might be awkward if we end up showing up wearing you know, Overwatch jersey. Jerseys. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so we're going to get out of here for the Checkpoint Radio podcast. That's going to be it. Uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out and checking out our exclusive special that we made for Philadelphia. Uh, it, it, it really was uh, very cool to be on. And thank you. Shout out to 97.5, the Fanatic for putting us on in prime time. Oh, yeah. That was a lot of faith that they had put in us, and I hope that we uh, pulled it off for you guys, and that you were proud of us. So, uh, thanks so much for joining us for the Checkpoint Radio podcast. Checkpointradio.com is where you can find out more information about the show, as well as full episodes on demand, posted every every Friday, no longer Tuesday, every Friday, interviews from past episodes and much, much more. That's all over at CheckpointRadio.com Stay up to date on all the latest by following us on social media That's PT Radio on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And if you like the show consider dropping by our Apple Podcast feed and giving us a rating and a review Checkpoint Radio is a production of Westwood One Our theme is provided by the band Weird at Last Big thanks to our producers, Rick Scott Kevin Graham and Christine Corp. For the Checkpoint Radio crew, Robbie Landis, Norris Howard, and Joe Sloan, I'm Nate Bender. Keep
0: listening. You've been listening to the Checkpoint Radio podcast. Make sure you subscribe to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, tune into our weekly radio show. For more information and the latest on esports and gaming, go to CheckpointRadio.com.